Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation. Time for Driven Radio Show. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Driven Radio, your weekly place of worship to the automotive gods. I am your host, Brett Hatfield, here with our insipid, got it right that time. <laughs> you know, the first time we recorded, you said intrepid. As God is my witness. Yeah, well, I changed my, my mind. Damn it. No. <laughs> Our intrepid engineer and co-host, Catfish Groves, and Corey Pratt of Craving Cars on YouTube. Hey, we are, that's me. We're coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in scenic, lovely Overland Park, Kansas. If you like what you're hearing, tell your friends. If you've got something you want to hear more of, please tell us. Our special guest this week is Luke Channel, associate professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program, and uh, much to his chagrin, friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> Luke's going to be here to talk to us about... Uh, the he was kid. young, it was a phase. <laughs> I made some bad decisions in college. <laughs> You're one of them. Luke will be here to talk to us about the canceled Geneva Auto Show, Amelia oh. Island's upcoming Concours d'Elegance, McPherson College's Cars Show, oh, dude. the first weekend in May, and it was just my favorite weekend all year long. That I can't wait. So much fun. Yeah. And a lot of other car nerd stuff. Before we get into the news, how did the buffing and waxing thing go uh, Saturday morning yeah, at anyway. Kansas City? <laughs> uh, did you not go, oh. big man? No. What happened? Okay. No, so you got to tell us what happened. What really happened? Friday night. <laughs> stayed up late. Uh-huh. Polish Vlad, end to end, inside and out, everything else. Got all the parts in Thursday afternoon to fix the HVAC on Vlad. Vlad yeah. 61 Impala. Uh-huh. That, Resto mod. Vlad yep, yep. the Impala. Got partway into it. Oh, damn it, I can't figure this out. <laughs> Quit. <laughs> Went upstairs, thought about it for a while, came back, took another stab at it Friday night. Damn it, I still can't figure this out. <laughs> Quit. Yeah, Went upstairs, <laughs> had a drink, figured it out. <laughs> what? <laughs> Came back downstairs sober Saturday morning, couldn't figure it out again. Damn it. <laughs> so what was the deal? What was wrong with the HVAC? I wasn't looking at it right. Somebody else took it apart and said, oh, you don't have this part. I don't know where to find it. You go find it. All right. Three days later, <laughs> it wound up being a $16 part. Just nice. cheap, easy. Well, and then that part's good. Two thousand dollars worth yeah. of man hours. Yeah, sixteen dollar pipe. Oh man, yeah. I nice. I was ready to pound my head with a hammer. <laughs> yeah. uh, I missed the detailing seminar. I did yeah. get yeah. I did get the Impala fixed. I did get to drive it around, and I felt really awesome for a couple of days. So uh, all of that said. We have a ton of news to get to this week. Yeah, we do. Uh, Florida's Amelia Island Concord d'Elegance. Oh, I love this one. I 25 really like years. Yes. 25th anniversary. Golf clap, baby. Uh, they uh, This year marks the 25th anniversary. Now, that's Florida's Amelia Island Concourse d'Elegance. Concord d'Elegance. Uh, I used to call it Concourse until I got 
corrected mm, in radio. I'm not really sure who it was. Was it corrected well, actually, by a Frenchman? No, it was corrected by a guy here in Kansas City because they had the the uh, Kansas City Concours. Yeah. Uh, or it what is the art of the to, car? used to be done with a, in conjunction with the art college. Yeah. Well, this one, uh, this one's still going. It's to be held on the grounds of the Ritz-Carlton, March 8th, where an estimated 20,000 people are going to stop by to go, oh my God, look uh, at the car. Yes. Roger Pinsky is going to be uh, the guest of honor. Roger Penske at this year's uh, Concours. Who bought Ooh. the Indy 500 last year, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. He bought the sucker. He bought oh, really? it. really? He bought it. Damn. Sweet deal. He done bite it. He won another so much, he bite it. <laughs> well, he had 51 victories in yeah. 130 races. Uh, retired uh, to form Team Penske, which has won the Indianapolis 500 18, 18 times. times. More than 30 of the Penske cars are going to be there, which includes uh, vehicles that he raced. Uh, also honored designer Harley Earl of General Motors. Yes, he was a boy. First in-house designer. He revitalized the potential of styling as an aid to selling cars. You know, made style again because what? Up uh, before him, it was all about how could you fit your hat into the cab. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a car. A <laughs> uh, little bit of trivia: Harley Earl Seriously? was the uh, the guy who came up with the idea of forming models out of clay. Not only that, uh, he had 14 cars uh, associated with him. They're going to be on display, including the 1951 Lesabre. Yeah, how freaking cool is that? Well, now, that and that 38 wide job boy. That those uh, are so cool. It was Harley's personal car until 1951, mm-hmm. 1938 through. That is pretty cool. Five Mercedes-Benz Silver Arrow Racers going to be on the lawn. That is a super, super big deal. That's uh, I, I just can't imagine the amount of money sitting on the dirt there. Porsche is going to be celebrating with racers honoring the company's 19 victories. Cool. Uh, gala functions, lots of big people and big cool things. And a 1932 Duesenberg Model J stationary victory. Oreo with money by Rosten. One point two to one point four million dollars. God, I love Dusenberg. It, it and it deserves tell. that level just of by a little bit. In just that a little tone. bit. Okay, just a yeah. tad. Yeah. So very very cool. And that's uh, all on uh, what is it? March eighth. This here weekend. So if you're going to get tickets, do it quick. <laughs> you better get your button gear. Yeah, I definitely need to. <laughs> Looks like the World Health Organization is starting to get real serious about the coronavirus. Oh, dude. Serious enough that they're, they canceled the Geneva Auto Show. Well, the Geneva Damn. Auto Show canceled the Geneva Auto Show. but Following a decree Did by the really? Swiss government banning public gatherings of more than 1,000 people. Was Geneva bringing in more than 1,000 people? I didn't know that. I'm kidding. <laughs> Organizers of the 2020 Geneva International Motor Show were forced to declare... Uh, well, to cancel. Yeah, no car show, no chocolates yeah. for you. No, no, no. no. Come back one year. Which sucks because this is the one that you wait for the stories afterwards and the pictures and all the cool oh, stuff. Yeah. Well, and out. they were going to reveal a bunch of cool stuff at Geneva. Yep. And, you know, that's, that's the one that's to do it. And everybody now. typically waits until that show to, to reveal stuff, something. Now everybody's got to so. do it on their YouTube channel. They're going to be calling you. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess uh, I know, Claving more cars. views for Geneva. <laughs> well, hopefully that doesn't get in the way too much of, of American auto shows because, uh, well, this is the season for them. Oh, and I'd hate for them to go by. Yeah. No, but no. they're going to start. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be a thing. Yeah. Um, hopefully, they won't have too many manufacturers pulling out of all the bigger shows like Detroit or New York or. Did you like see that, the video of the guy? Possibility it might happen. Any one of you know how long the show has been? The Geneva uh, International Auto Show has been going on. 1905 was when this started. You're kidding me. 115 years. And- Wow. I'm wondering. You know, they might have canceled it in like 1918. Yeah. One of the things that uh, did not 
debut at the Geneva Auto Show that was supposed to. Yes, it was. uh, According to Car and Driver, was the new McLaren 765 LT, the long tail. Yes. Uh, The thing is, jeez, 765 LT, 754 horsepower, weighs under 3,000 pounds. Oh, yeah. Just my. under 3,000 pounds. That's absolutely just crazy. In its lightest <laughs> configuration. Uh, first deliveries of this critter are expected in October with a price around $375,000. You know, I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. That doesn't, that sounds kind of cheap given what the car is. It, it's, it's not much different. It's either. a stunning car. Uh, the oh. funny thing is a, a 765 long tail. The, uh, the long tail is three quarters of an inch longer than the 720. That's okay. what gets you your long tail. So three quarters, oh, yeah. of, it's huge three quarters of an inch is yeah. long. You're going to have to extend well, the uh, I'm sending that in an email. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broadcasting that to the world. I told you. Thank you, McLaren. <laughs> God bless you. As, uh, as the name suggests, the power increase over the huge potent 720s uh is relatively modest they measure horsepower in metric horsepower as opposed to americans so it's 765 ps versus 754 american horsepower yeah uh, but it's all coming from the same base four liter twin turbo v8 as the uh, as the 720s and it gets forged aluminum pistons three-layer head gasket from the mclaren senna Oh, and nice. uh, a freer breathing titanium exhaust system. This is this is what blows my mind. Off the line performance, zero to sixty in two point seven seconds. God, retina flattening. And Dude, it'll uh, clean your teeth. Yeah, no kidding. Sweet. But here's the here's the one that should really make you think hard about this. Zero to a buck twenty four, which is two hundred kilometers per hour, seven point two seconds. Oh my god. Remember when that was fast to zero to 60? I remember when seven seconds, zero to 60 was, you know, you were moving pretty well. Yeah, that was decent. Uh, They they managed to achieve that by slightly lower gearing uh, than the 720S, which means it also has a slightly lower top speed of only 205 miles per hour. Well, Well, damn the luck. I'm telling you. It's modest. Yeah. They went I-30. Screw that. I'm just taking side streets. How am I going to get to the PTA meeting on time? Uh, anyway, they shaved weight everywhere. Lots wow. of carbon fiber, aluminum, thinner glass, a lightweight battery, and it comes wow. in at 2,952 pounds when ordered without entertainment and air conditioning. However, you can Mr. add them back in. You know, 25.3 pounds. You're still under 3,000 pounds. Wow. They're going to limit production to 765 cars globally. The U.S. will likely account for 30 to 40% of that. I wanted to add this real quick. 2,950 pounds yeah. is what my Corvette weighs. Oh, my gosh. That's over 1,000 pounds less than my Golf. Yep. Good Lord. Yeah, which is which is how they managed to make that car sporty with just zero I'm power. trying to imagine your vet with 750-plus horsepower in it, and I'm just like, no, that's death. <laughs> that's The thing is, look like a Twizzler. <laughs> I, I will say this, but performance, though. It's just it's, it. just torquing. Yeah, right just... <laughs> Well, I'm done with that now. It's dry now. <laughs> Look, fiberglass <laughs> twist sticks, all done. Nice. Um, that's a hell of a car for the money. Uh, if you yeah, want, it's not bad. You want to go in a car and and really get your money's worth? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's do it. Head down to Texas and get a rideshare vehicle. Oh, I couldn't believe how gross this is. Uh, I'll get through it really quick because it you. is. But it's worth mentioning. This came from a MSN.com. I, uh, it, 
anybody but me <laughs> read stuff like this and just get creeped out and you think I'm not leaving the yeah, house. This is, I am staying inside totally for the rest of my Uber. life. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, thank bad. you. Thank you very much. Next show, 9 o'clock. Uh, down in uh, Texas, they've got a, uh, an exterminator who treats five to ten rideshare vehicles a week for bed bugs. Ugh. Bed bugs Blech. in oh, your rideshare. So when you use your little app, and you know that 1986 uh, Buick comes rolling on up, you might want to take the next ride. Now, it's, uh, not only most people, um, Fort Worth, da- Dallas is uh, well, Dallas, Fort Worth uh, is one of the most bed bug infested cities in the nation. Ew. Supposedly, topped only by New York and Philadelphia. I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth a couple times a year. Ew. Yeah. By the way, okay, they can live. So don't do. These, don't travel that way. Yeah. These bugs can live up to a year without feeding on blood. That's so, no so, you know, kidding. They can make it a long time. Uh, oh my they're, god! They're like the cockroaches of the vampire world. I'm about to say there's <laughs> oh, something. That's fantastic, <laughs> Brett. <laughs> What now? You're, we talked about the McLaren and, and how much of a bargain that is for the kind of vehicle you're getting. Now, what can do you think you can get that's just over two hundred thousand? So a considerably less amount of money, what a but deal. very very similar performance than a McLaren uh, three mid year Corvettes. I don't care how fast they go. Dang, he got it. Next story. No, we <laughs> got a whole car lot of the ones the I like. The 2021 Porsche 911 oh. Turbo S. Yes, yeah, something German. Yes. Yeah, so usually the turbos. I don't know if you guys know this, but when they release a new model, which was last year, the turbos are usually a year or two behind. Yeah. So. Well, it's kind of like Corvettes and Z06s. Yes. And yes. Exactly. Crap like that. So we have uh, uh, we got a lot to love, I think, with this. Uh, if you like Porsches, and if you don't like Porsches, then you this have a lot to love. This this sucker is even quicker to 60. <laughs> what? Than the stinking McLaren what? is. Yes. No, no, no way. So you're talking not the 60 in 2.6 seconds. A dot one. Yeah. A dot one on a McLaren? A quarter mile in 10 and a half. Oh, my God. I would be, I'd giggle to see that. Which is, that's pretty quick. Actually, that's ja. that's about as fast as a 720 I would love is, to ride shotgun so. with somebody who could get that number out of that car. I know it ain't me. Well, you also got to remember, <laughs> though, you also got to remember, though, the turbos are all all-wheel drive, too. So there, there's no dual drive version of that one, unless you get like a, a GT. What an two. absolute stinking rocket! That yeah. is so. And that's fast. only out of a 3.8 liter flat six. You know, sport bikes don't do it that fast. They really don't. You ever been on a really powerful sport bike? I've owned a couple. It's hard to. to I think it's hard to connect when you're trying to launch that fast. You sport can't. Bike, you yeah. flat can't. And they're. Oh man, I I'd, I'd love yeah. to have a riding one. So That'd 640 horsepower, 590 foot pounds of torque. Yes, like I said, all-wheel drive. It does have bigger turbos than the previous uh, 911 turbos, uh, and improved air intake system, which I, which is probably why they got more power. Got more out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, let's see, two new factory options on that 992, uh, the Turbo S, which has the Porsche's active suspension management, sports suspension, and a sport. That's too much sport suspension. Sport exhaust. Sports, all well, that ex- sporty McSport face. Fancy exhaust system. <laughs> The suspension system lowers the turbo's ride height by 0.4 inches. Okay. And the sport exhaust uh, has oval tailpipes. Porsche's, Porsche's been doing that PAS um, uh, on flat. several cars for a lot of years. Yeah. And if you've ever driven one of the newer 911s with it in there, oh, it makes a difference. It really does. It does more than just the ride height. But I'm it, surprised very this cool isn't some kind of acronym. Like it's the, Porsche, the Porsche's Axiom Minimus. 
Exhaust. Uh, it's P- well, it's- <laughs> well, I get into the car and it goes down by six inches, so does that really help? <laughs> I have a similar problem with Damn, the Impala. I'm aerodynamic. <laughs> if, you, if you like the interiors of course cars, you like to have that more luxury feel and these kind of things. It's not so stripped out. It does have a 10.9-inch center touchscreen, which what? is not... I don't know how they can fit that in such a that's small... That's huge. That's an that's an iPad. Yeah. Well, yeah. A big that's one. pretty good size. Uh, GT Sport steering wheel, uh, Sport Chrono packages, Bose surround system. Is it a Sport Bose? It's, it's, a, it's a Bose a, surround it's sound. A There's sport, more S's. Sport stereo and Sport, sport iPad. Yeah. It's in a 911, so therefore it is a Sport you stereo need a system. Sport girlfriend to get yeah, into the well. Sport sign. So you can get into that starting at 24850. Uh, thanks for being a good sport. 24850. That's right. Uh, they do, uh, like always, they always have a cabriolet version that's going to be uh started about 217 so and you got another fast car to tell us about what's the fastest car in the world anybody know uh, oh god i uh, would say something from bugatti isn't it yeah actually i think uh, see, they, they had it someone broke it they had it someone didn't. broke it they had it again uh and they're probably gonna be broke again so bugatti keeps pushing the uh, the thing up and up uh but they recently had a car that goes over three miles an hour and now coinage the oh, lovely those, Swiss makers the, are going to loons. be, yeah, they're going to be, uh, well, doing a much better job at that. Probably, you know, they have a new car. This is going to be the new Jesco Absolute, which is their new car it to be the fastest a, car that they'll ever comes make. Comes with a free case of vodka. Yes, <laughs> and a Heine. They're Quinn's oh uh, new a version of its uh, oh Jesco hypercar called the Jesco Absolute has been developed for one goal in mind, and it's top speed. Wow. So it's not about how fast can it corner, how fast can it go by the, around the Nürburgring, so, anything like that. It's, it's how fast super, super can slippery. it go. Super, super slippery. Yes. So uh, coefficient drag is low. So it's a 0.278, which That's way is low. about as low as I've ever seen a car. But here's this thing that actually gets me. Because you know about how uh, you know uh, race cars and fast sports cars and stuff, you start getting so fast, it starts lifting. Right, yeah, you get yeah, a lot yeah. of lifts. You got to have that downforce on there, but unfortunately, that's also like a double-edged sword it's because drag. the downforce can also right can also keep you down on the ground too much. So you it really lowers your top speed. They've had to reduce it. So normally, they've had cars with up to three thousand pounds of downforce to yeah. now just three hundred and thirty pounds. That's scary as hell. <laughs> so that's would terrifying. you think if you had just that's, the right crosswind, you drop a you're going in your pants uh-huh. when you drive it? How fast is this thing supposed to go? Previous rumors have hinted that the internal goal for Koenigsegg is 500 kilometers per hour, which is 310. <laughs> that just sounds like a ridiculous number of something that's on the ground. So what's it take to push it that fast? About 1,600 horsepower. <laughs> oh, my God. You can buy one of these? I mean, if you, so, got, and if no, you got the money, you can buy one of these? Uh, it's, it's a possibility. Uh, this is a 5-liter twin turbocharged V8 uh, running on E85. So tell a Mustang GT owner that you know that there's a company that's getting 1600 horse out of that displacement. Uh, it's going to say going to do this, and let's say they, they do 310, they go bye bye, Bugatti, see you later, we're top. And then Bugatti comes back and goes, Well, we did 315. Are they going to go, Okay, well, that's fine, we had top ones, well, we don't need to do it again? I mean, if you've ever watched any of the documentaries that they do about the uh, the Bugatti, um, the Veyron, the Veyron, yeah, <laughs> when the Veyron was running in the 260s, they were saying that the tires would only last. About twenty minutes at that speed, uh, actually, and that I was wow. burning an entirely full tank of gas every. So here's here's the stats Jeez. on that. So at, originally with with the with the Veyron, of course, it was kind of a heavy car too. Yeah, it was. But it, you know, doing two hundred. I think they okay. This was funny. They would test a car and do two hundred sixty three miles an hour, but then they would limit it to two fifty five because you know two sixty three yeah. was too dangerous. But two fifty five. Well, that, okay. that extra eight miles yeah. an hour, boy. Uh-huh. So 
if you ran flat out, the car would burn through its tires in 15 minutes. But that's okay because it would burn through the entire tank of gas in less than 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the. And it was well, like a thirty or like a, about around a thirty the, gallon tank or something. And the oil change on it was twenty grand, and a set of tires was every twenty other, grand. Yep, and every other time you change your tires, you got to pay sixty grand for a set of wheels. That was like my dad's work truck when I was because a kid. they want to make sure it had proper sealment. <laughs> if you're going high speeds, it can warp the wheels. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, now with this one, Koenigsegg has stated that the company won't attempt to build a faster car than this uh, Jesco Absolute ever. Bull. So, like, if Bull. that answers your no, question. I bet they do. And, and here's the only reason I, I would believe that. Uh, Christian von Koenigsegg named that car after his dad. The car, the, the Jesco, is named after his father. So he may just decide that's the ultimate tribute to dad, and I'm not going to do any more than that. Still, 310 miles an hour. How much faster do you really need to go? 315. Um, yeah, well... Thanks, Mark. There, there are twin engine Bugatti's Cessnas already, out there that won't do three ten. Yeah, Bugatti's already working on that. So after their Chiron <laughs> Super Sport went three hundred plus, they're probably already trying to work on. Viva la ridiculous! But there it is. Coin is like a very awesome stuff. Very actually. cool time to and, be and a it's, car it's guy. It's more like a very light car as well. But yeah. now I hate to throw a big wet blanket on everything, and this is kind of. Is sad. it another super uh, performance car? No. Does it no, involve it's bugs? Not. No. Good. Is I, it a cool place that has Ritz Carlton? It involves something near and dear to my heart, and I'm really very sad by this. I'm about confused because we named everything. Story from Road and Track: The Chevy Impala is dead. The Chevy oh, Impala yeah. is officially yeah. ended production. Uh, the final Impala, a premier model in Cajun red tent coat, rolled off the line February 27th. The current Impala has been around since the 2014 model year, and the Impala name has been in Chevy dealerships on and off for over half a century, with the first ones coming out in 1958. Yeah. Uh, I'm sad to see it go, but here's what makes me saddest. Uh, this is being replaced with the electric car? The Detroit Hamtrak plant in Michigan, where the Impala was built, alongside the Cadillac CT6, another car I really liked, yeah. is yeah. going to be retooled to produce GM's upcoming electric stinking vehicles. <laughs> you I nailed it. it! You nailed it! Electric freaking vehicles. <laughs> All right, ten bucks is yours. You win the bet. <laughs> including the recently announced GMC Hummer EV. Pick up. I'm, I'm going to need it when <laughs> Hummer. He, to buy a, uh, he's yeah, a yeah, cold yeah. steak to put on my eye no. when he punches me. <laughs> Nobody that buys that is ever getting a Hummer. That's a <laughs> oh, yeah, stupid thing. Uh, All right. Well, you know. Oh, and finally, before we get to our magnificent guest, would you like to take a class about how to do a pre-purchase evaluation for classic cars? Uh, I recently spoke to one of our listeners about the possibility of teaching a class about evaluating cars, not appraising but doing a pre-purchase inspection, how to quickly spot signs of use and or abuse, authenticity, how to tell if the miles indicated are consistent with condition, how to look for signs of corrosion and damage and stuff like that. And I've talked to both uh, our former co-host, Vern Astis, and also our guest for to this week's show, Luke Chennel, about teaching that class. Uh, we will be developing a curriculum and discussing dates. The class most likely would be on a Saturday morning, probably for three or four hours. The first class will be held in the Wichita area with the possibility of bringing the class to Kansas City if the interest is there. If you would be interested in taking a class like this, contact us either through Facebook at Driven Radio Show or email directly to either brett at drivenradioshow.com or brett at readthedriven.com. Our special guest this week is Luke Chennel, 
who's probably really tired of waiting for us to call him (laughs) (laughs) because we had enough news to fill a newspaper. Uh, Luke is the associate professor in McPherson College's auto restoration program. Luke also hosts the world-famous post McPherson College Cars Show Barbecue <laughs> at his sprawling manse on yes. Euclid in McPherson. Uh, Luke's going to be here to talk to us about the canceled Geneva Auto Show, the Amelia Island Concours coming this weekend, the car show that will be here in just two months. I can't believe how fast that's coming up. And a lot of other cool car nerd stuff. All this and much more coming up here on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio Studios in Overland Park, Kansas. Our special guest this week is Luke Channel, associate professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program and a uh, famous Bradley GT monger. He also hosts the staggeringly popular After Car Show Barbecue in May, uh, at which you can find drunken auto journalists uh, cooking sausages. Luke, welcome back to Driven Radio. I'm glad to be here, Brett. Big international auto shows have been waning in interest uh, over the past several years. And with the cancellation of this year's Geneva Auto Show uh, due to coronavirus and the moving of the Detroit Auto Show from January to June in hopes of drawing more showgoers, do you think that we're seeing the or hearing the death knell uh, for the auto industry as we know it? I don't know about that. I think auto shows are dead. Uh, People are still going to be driving cars for the foreseeable future, I, I certainly think as long as I'm alive. But, you know, the Internet has disrupted so much, and I think you're seeing really it's much more it's much easier to get good marketing by circulating a viral story on the Internet than it is by having everyone travel to a specific location to see something. You know, automotive journalism, traditional automotive journalism, if, if it's not dead, the nails are being driven in the coffin right now. Ouch. Uh, so, uh, I, yeah, well, I think traditional. You know, enthusiast journalism still continues, and certainly the magazines you and I write for are as popular as ever. But the road and tracks and automobiles and all of those kind of venues that, that really those uh, traditional auto shows catered to are just, they're falling away. It's just what it is. You know, I've read several articles about uh, auto shows and and the falling uh, uh, numbers of people that are going to them, and that you've you've hit it right on the head that so much of a big big part of it that part of the marketing and even that guy from uh, Ford that we talked to yeah yeah um, that the marketing is done via uh, the web via all these different right, avenues right. and people are able to pay attention to the things they really really like yeah Cash saying really yeah he he kind of nailed it down yeah he did and uh, attendance is falling I mean that was uh, part of the impetus behind them switching Detroit from January to June plus. You know, everybody enjoys those balmy winters in Detroit so much. (laughs) (laughs) Can't imagine why you wouldn't want to go out. Ah, the scenery, the weather, it's just great. It's like Florida in hell. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, Detroit. I I mean, maybe you guys guys might be outliers, but I don't know of anyone that has gone to look at a new car at an auto show in, in my lifetime. You know, and it used to be back in the 50s and 60s when those were a big deal that 
everyone would go and check out the new cars because if you were looking to buy a car, that's where you saw all the features and, you know, got wowed by the models and all that kind of stuff. We just don't, nobody does that anymore. Quick canvas of the four of us talking here. Uh, any yays for anyone that's gone to an auto show to see a brand new car that they're interested in in the past five years? No. No. I mean, uh, only by just being a car guy myself and wanting to see something new, but not because I was buying one now. Well, no. the Kansas City Auto Show that's coming up, the la- I went to that probably eight years ago. I think it was when those Fiat 500s had first been reintroduced eight, ten years ago. Yeah. And uh-huh. I wanted to I wanted to look at one, and it was like sitting in an airline seat for a dude like me, and that was the end of it. But that's the last time. Last time I went to a, a new auto show, a new car auto show, it seemed like most of the people who were there were there to pull the knobs off the radios and <laughs> steal the lighters. <laughs> well, I kind of dated myself, too. Uh, talking talking about <laughs> the lighters being in cars, you don't see lighters in cars anymore. You see powerpoints. Those are powers. Yeah, those yeah, are, yeah. They're those not cigarette lighters. No, uh-uh. yeah, uh, yeah. anymore. Most cars, if you want a lighter in it, you have to order it. Well, you just plug in your vape. Sometimes they don't. Even- <laughs> it's a Jesus. USB thing, though, right? Mark, that's only on Subarus. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's not a sunroof. It's a vape vent. Yeah, it's a vape uh, vent. <laughs> comes with a vape pen, a flannel shirt, and a pair of Birkenstocks. There you oh, go. Sorry, I forgot. WRX. And a spoiler the size of a picnic table. So uh, we've got the 25th annual Amelia Island Concord d'Elegance this weekend. Uh, what do you think that we should uh, expect from the sales there? Are the high-end European classics still as collectible as they have been in years past? And a short answer, yes. Uh, that stuff's never going to go. I mean, it'll it'll go down someday, but not in the short term. You might see a softening. You might see five, ten percent, but I, I sincerely doubt that that there's going to be a crash or anything really. Well, some of the terrible stuff, in the offing. Some of the stuff that we were talking about earlier in the show is all uh, the stuff that's on display is all really super high-end stuff. And also, uh, there's going to be a couple things that are being offered there that are just astronomical. Uh, They'll be huge, huge draws. Uh, One of them, Sotheby's, has oh, a 1932 yeah. Duesenberg Model J stationary yeah. Victoria with body with a Rolston bodywork. That's never going to go down, I don't think. Uh, a 38 Bugatti Type 57 with open co- coach work that'll always be worth a ton. And they also had a 57 uh, Mercedes 300 SL Roadster that's expected to go for big dollars, and I don't think those will ever go down. But Amelia always seems to be very much uh, European classic focused and not nearly so much American stuff. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. You know, when you say that about Duesenbergs, but they actually are historically, if you were to do the numbers on them, they are down. You know, that the peak of that market really was reached in the late 1980s. Hear that, Mark? Time to go talk to your loan officer. I know. (laughs) All I have to do is wait 200 more years and I can afford one. (laughs) Hot damn. I'm in the money, baby. (laughs) (laughs) But there was a point when every every Model J Duesenberg was considered a million-dollar car, and that's not the case anymore. It's just not. So... They're blue chip cars, but you know these things fluctuate and taste change, and things go up and down. And the other thing you see in any of those high end cars is that the provenance matters. Sure. You know, if it's not a car that's well known, or if it has some kind of cloudy history, it just really affects the value. And so it's hard 
sometimes it's really hard to say, well, the market's down when in fact you just had a run of two or three bad cars that looking oh. at them from a layperson's viewpoint look like incredible pieces of automotive history, but in fact they're bitses or you know, have crappy title histories or, or any number of factors that can just run them into the ground. So it's worth mentioning that, you know, for any of those cars, it, it can be hard to come up with the information, but there are registries of every single car and its history. And, you know, if you're not an, uh, an informed buyer going into the market, you can wind up with a car that has a terrible history that you have no idea about. I mean, it's always caveat emptor. You really, really need to do your research if you're in the market for one of those things. And the best way, of course, is always to join the club because all the club yeah. members know maybe not every car, but they know virtually every car. And they'll tell you what are the good ones and what are the bad ones. Absolutely. Wow. Yep, that's true. We're speaking with an associate professor in the McPherson College Restoration Program, Luke Chennel. Uh, we are coming up to my favorite weekend all year long in just a couple of months. Uh, the Cars Show at McPherson, just so stinking much fun. For the uninitiated, Professor, would you please explain <laughs> what makes the car Show so cool? And then answer Ginger or Mary Yes, Ann. I please want to know. Well, uh, you know, uh, Ginger and Marianne would be part of it. but uh... <laughs> I like him. He's all right. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so what's okay? Here's why the car show is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, I started it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an honest answer, right there. Have some I just really keep setting them up. Muscles. No, <laughs> no. And the, the reason it's awesome is that it was started by a bunch of 19-year-olds, and it's run by a bunch of 19-year-olds, and they are people who are passionate about antique and classic cars, and really that's what it's all about. You know, there's there's judging. But it's not that important. It's more about camaraderie. It's about fun. It's about seeing things that you might not see anywhere else, especially in the middle of Kansas. What were some of the really cool things that were there last year? Well, there was, of course, the most stunning thing to me was that 1914 Peugeot uh, race car. Oh, yeah. I I haven't confirmed confirmed exactly what'll be at our show but i've talked to at least one guy who said he was going to bring him a miller 91 rear drive uh, uh, which is stunning indy car and the 1914 uh, peugeot is probably one of the most significant race cars uh that came out of the brumos collection aaron israel brought that back uh for us all to see I, we've talked to aaron a couple times it sounds like he might be bringing something cool this year but he hasn't said what yet yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is you just never know what's going to show up. And the show is followed immediately <laughs> by the world-famous <laughs> post-cars <laughs> post show barbecue at your house. You said staggeringly, with an emphasis on staggering. Yeah, well, so. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm the staggering part. Guilty as charged. Uh, I'll, I'll be standing there burning the hair off my knuckles and forearms cooking sausages in Luke's backyard. Uh, you'll be able to find drunken auto journalists there exercising their mantra, eat free or die. Uh, Luke's barbecue really is a ton of fun. And it's another reason why this coming that weekend is my favorite weekend all year long. And we all sit around, we eat great food. We may drink some cold adult beverages and it's fun to see that many well-fed, well lubed car guys all in one place at one time. And it, 
like I said, it's my favorite weekend all year long. That's a lot of stories. being there. Yep, I'm sure some really cool stuff. All right, now Luke is responsible for one of the questions that I try to ask almost everybody we interview. (laughs) And he's responsible for, he is the reason I love this question. And I've had him tell a story on here before. I don't know if this is a story he's got in mind tonight. What's the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car? Um, let me preface by saying that a Model T is definitely the dumbest thing you can ever do. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's it. You know, when you when you resign yourself to drive a car that has twenty horsepower and has this funky, crazy transmission that nobody understands <laughs> and that has no bearing whatsoever to the modern world. You're just bound to have a ton of fun. So, so I had it, as in all things. I had a, a buddy once, and uh, so he he was from out in uh, oh in Elmdale, Kansas, uh, there off off Highway 50. So my friend out there, he at various other times in his life went and bought a Jenny uh, airplane, you know, World War One canvas covered airplane mm-hmm. uh, in the 50s, and tried to fly it home from New York. Uh, promptly got wound up in some power lines, and needless to say, didn't make it after that. But anyway, so one day he brings his Model T over to the college, and uh, he wants us to get it recommissioned and working again. And the thing, I mean, it looked like it came from Elmdale. I kind of got tasked with working on this thing, and so being of a Model T mindset and knowing that the guy that he was rather, shall we say, uh, thrifty, he had stored it with water in it, and so that had cracked the head. So I tried to braise the head on the car. I don't know if you've ever tried that, but it's not a good idea. Wow. So I'm talking like, a, like an 18-inch crack. And so I've got, you know, two rosebud tips on the acetylene torch, and I got the head red hot. I go ahead and braise it all up, and right as it started to cool, man, that thing just cracked like you wouldn't believe. <laughs> crack, 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 crack. Basically, the cylinder head exploded. So oh procured God. another cylinder head, procured another cylinder head, and then I like sorted out all the wiring, which was old lamp, like old fabric covered lamp cords. And but anyway, I got it all working, got it all to where it would start up and run. At which point, I realized this was early on in my career. I was nineteen. I'd never driven a Model T, and there was no one around to teach me. So I had to figure out the planetary transmission and how that was not only wow. how, how it was supposed to function, but how I was supposed to operate it with no one to help me. So I, I decided I'm going to go on the maiden voyage. Well, at the time, out back at the college, they were redoing the culvert that runs right behind our garage. Oh, door. no, I and know so, what you're talking about, so, too. The concrete's all cut out. There's this giant, gaping, four-foot chasm with about, I don't know, a six- or seven-foot drop below it. So a couple guys come along, and they lay down some two-by-sixes. And right as I'm driving across, one of the two-by-sixes kicks out just as the wheel hits the other side of the culvert. (laughs) And so I take off down the road. Oh, my God. A couple of them hop in. It's dark. And so we're roaring around campus and whatever. And... uh, (laughs) I'm still learning to drive the car. Uh, you know, no idea what I'm doing, basically. Kind of figured out exactly where low and high gear was and maybe what the brakes were. Uh, <laughs> so I kind of been... So at this point, I'm confronted with the executive decision. Is it safer to drive the car across the no motor vehicles allowed campus so that if the cops come along, I can at least say I'm not driving it on the road 
or should I risk it and actually go on the roads? So after some clear deliberation, which really meant that I just couldn't stop, uh, I drove past the cafeteria in this car during dinner time. And so a couple of guys were in there, and they just said, what was that? And all you know, all of a sudden, this Model T with yellow wood smoke wheels goes Magoo. flying by, and the entire school, I swear, must have been at dinner that night. <laughs> so I got—I wouldn't say severely reprimanded, but I certainly was talked to about the appropriate places to operate motor vehicles on campus after the particular incident. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Now I'm gonna—I'm gonna bug you about this. I want to hear this story. This is my favorite story that anybody's ever told on the show. I want you to tell us the story about you and your tea and thinking that maybe a nice, relaxing drive in the country would have been a, a good way yeah. to to forget all of your woes from school and study and everything else. Please, Just freshen up, yeah. Please, please, please yeah. tell us that story. I, I can't call it by name because okay. everyone will know what it is or everyone will get the punchline before you get there. All right. So one night we're having hors d'oeuvres and champagne and <laughs> and a bunch of my friends look over at me and they say, what's wrong with your face? And I'm like, I've only had two glasses of champagne and I can't talk. And so I'm like, oh, God, somebody's got to take me to the emergency room. So we go over to the emergency room. And after some long deliberations, the friendly nurse or doctor comes out and says, so there's this disease that pregnant ladies get a lot. And I'm like, well, I'm not pregnant. You've got Bell's palsy, which is where one half of your face gets paralyzed. She says, don't worry. It's temporary. I'll give you some drugs. You just have to go home and do your best. The problem is that because that half of your face is paralyzed, you're not going to be able to talk very well because you're going to sound like you got half your mouth. And then the other problem is that you can't blink on that side, so you're going to have to wear an eye patch. <laughs> so I'm walking around for the next week looking like a pirate and slurring my words like I'm a drunken pirate. So basically, I'm the walking iteration of Captain Morgan. So suffice to say, I'm having kind of a rough time. I'm getting by the best I can, teaching my classes, and doing my thing. So I thought, I'll go out, I'll take Model T for a ride. So at the time, I put together this Model T, got tractor seats on it two by fours for a body you know it's all rusty no but no paint on it whatsoever. there's very little to this paint. car <laughs> yes on the bare fringes of automotive of anything automotive it's barely a car so when i put it together i got all the parts from colorado and the fuel tank a a squirrel or three had decided to make their the fuel tank their home for the past 20 years or so so the good thing about squirrels is they tend not to urinate in their home. So the tank wasn't rusted out. So I take it over to the gas, the gas tank guy, and he gives me this whole box of pine cones when he's done. I'm like, well, I'm good to go. But it turns out I was not good to go in that there were still bits of a pine cone that would periodically plug up the fuel system. <laughs> so, so I got pretty good at fishing pine cones out of various bits of my fuel system. Because there's, um, there's not a filter in which, line. Oh, God, no. Why? No, it yeah. just slows you down. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, but this went along rather nicely with the fact that the radiator had had a couple holes bashed in it at some point. So it not only could I not keep fuel going to the engine, I couldn't keep the water in the engine long enough for it to get hot. 
I would test it periodically. I'd carry a couple jugs of water with me, and then I tried like every various radiator sealant on the market. And I have to say, the commercial ones all suck. None of them work. <laughs> so, so at that point, I'm digging around in my farmer literature, and I discover that what they used to use uh, was like an egg. Mm-hmm. Worked pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you crack an egg in the radiator, you know, and then when it hits the outside air, it cooks, so that seals off the leak. Away you go. Mm-hmm. So that works okay. So I take, you know, go down to the store, buy a dozen eggs, <laughs> toss one in the radiator when I wanted to go for a ride. Away we go. Uh, <laughs> but what I really discovered that worked good was cream of wheat. Oh so you dump a was, cream of wheat in the radiator. I was going to ask you if you were trying oatmeal. I've done oatmeal in a Jeep radiator before. <laughs> yeah, oatmeal works pretty good, but I'm telling you, cream of wheat is the stuff to That'll use. Plug your it also up. gives off a really kind of nice, pleasant aroma as you're driving. <laughs> so it's, it's just... As radiator sealant and an experiential improvement, it's the best. So, so anyway, I got my Bell's palsy. I got my cream of weed. I'm out in a drive in the country, and the fuel line plugs up. And so the fuel line plugs up, and I'm like, I don't know, a couple miles out, dirt road, you know. I didn't have a cell phone at the time because who needed one? And so I'm like, well, I got to solve this. Well, I carry tools and all that. So I take the fuel line off, and the usual procedure to cure the pine cone blockage is that you <laughs> blow back into the tank through the fuel line, right? And that pushes the pine cone back up into the tank, where it eventually comes back down again. But we'll kick that can down the road. <laughs> uh, so I take the fuel line off. I get ready to blow into the tank, and I can't get enough seal with my mouth because oh. half of it's paralyzed. Oh, this is the most so horrible now- story ever. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) So now I'm sitting on the side of the road in the middle of Kansas with fuel kind of dribbling out partially into my mouth, and I can't blow back to get home. I'm cooking breakfast in the engine block. (laughs) So what I figure out is that I have to, if I very carefully pinch part of my mouth closed, I can sort of get enough seal on the left side of my mouth that's still actually functional oh. to blow through the fuel tank and get it done. So I did that, and I, thank God, made it home. And, and then eventually the belt closing. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I should be, I feel so bad about laughing, but it's Jesus. still my favorite car story oh, from yeah. anybody. Oh, oh that's awesome. Oh, We've been oh, speaking yeah. with Luke Chennel. Oh, God, I'm so sorry I laughed at that, but that's great. Oh, I'm going to burn. Luke the associate professor in the McPherson College Auto Restoration Program. You can find all of Luke's social media links as well as those for McPherson College and the program on readthedriven.com. Thank you so much for listening to Driven Radio. We love what we do and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our audience. We're all going to hell. You can find us online at Driven Radio Show and readthedriven.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Driven Radio Show and everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I'm Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt and Catfish Groves thanking you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.